Abba, Father, I thank you for this day. From the moment I woke up, you've been speaking to me, whispering in my ear. And Lord, I love that. I love being close to you. So, Father, my prayer for our next few minutes together is that you would just, uh, you'd whisper to all of us that you would speak to all of us, that we would hear your voice, um, that we would have our hearts opened. Lord, we, we open earth. You opened heaven on the cross. When we open earth right now. We say, Lord, we say, yes, we want to hear your voice. So we open up our hearts. We open up our ears. Lord, we ask you for the uh, grace gift of ready hearts. Lord, we pray that you would prepare the soil of our hearts for your word that's going to go forward, that it would fall on good soil and that it would go down deep and that it would create a uh, harvest of righteousness for your name's sake. But we don't want to do this for no reason. This is we, We've come to your word to be changed. We're not interested in um, just receiving factual information. Lord, we want to wrestle with your word. We want to chew on it. We want to wring it for all of the glory that it, that it has within it. We want to receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I went to the wrong place. There we go. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. I heard you guys are getting kind of like beat up today or I don't know you're just having lots of opportunities to to have the word spoken to you today so that's that's good when my sister-in-law Sarah was here this morning it's the Hawkins family basically beating you today that's what's going on and then Pastor Ron and then well Sarah doesn't have Irish in her well I don't know I don't I don't know what her background is actually but Hawkins influence. <laughs> Ephesians. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, <laughs> Ephesians. Colossians. Ephesus. Ephesus. Columbus. We're, we're, we did Colossians last year, and uh, by the way, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not, but all of these classes are podcasted. If you are interested in hearing them or you want somebody else to hear them, um, you can just go to iTunes and search up Pastor Josh Hawkins, or you can go to my website, which is PastorJoshHawkins.com. And find them there. Did you already podcast the last, last week? week's is out? Yeah. Wait, is it from this class? Yes. Yeah. Indeed. What you're saying right now is being recorded. <laughs> so, but I want you to forget that because we're just you know we're gonna have a good time together. And whatever. 
and nobody really listens to the podcast anyway. The, the only reason I put it, you know, honestly, the only reason I started doing this is because the first year I had some people in the class that wanted to be able to, uh, their, their parents to be able to hear some of the stuff and people from their home church. So I started putting it out there. And, uh, yeah, the first person that asked me to do it was Jerry's sister, Rachel. So, anyway, yeah, all of last year's classes are out there. The Romans class is not out there right now because of technical difficulties, but I will put it out there again someday when I have a couple hours to waste. Not that it would be a waste, but it just would take me a couple hours to put it back on. Anyway, so yeah. So uh, we, we got down to through verse 3 last week, and uh, I listed off three three verses in one class. <clears throat> i tell you what, I don't know if, how much we're going to get through this week, because there is some gigantic stuff, just gigantic stuff in the next couple verses, so who knows how far we'll go. But uh, I said that the, that the next 10 to 12 verses are all about these things that these spiritual blessings that we've been blessed with in Christ Jesus by God the Father. And I listed them off, chosen, adopted, grace lavished on us, redeemed, forgiven. Mystery of his will revealed to us, obtained an inheritance, sealed with the Holy Spirit, made to the praise of the glory of his grace. So those, those are the things that are listed off. Now we're just going to go through and we're going to begin to unpack each of those and unpack each phrase that's here. And we start off with a gigantic one. One that I know we're going to have to have a long conversation about. Because this, this particular idea might be new to some of you, might not be new. Um, some people have extremely dogmatic stances on this uh, idea in Scripture. And I want to be able to make a fair accounting of this idea and what Scripture actually says and what it does not say about this idea. So this may be our whole class. In the past, when this idea has popped up in a verse, it did take our entire class. Um, so, yes, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I'm going to read that again. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, so this verse is saying that you and I were chosen by God before the foundations of the earth, that God looked out before time, before he had said, let there be light, before uh, anything else had happened. He looked into what he was going to do, and he set his love on us individually. That he knew your name, that your name was written in his book before the foundations of the world. That's kind of a mind-blowing idea, if you think about it. One of the things that I like to think about, especially when I am in a situation that I do not understand, that is difficult for me, and that is scaring me, I like to think about this. Because the truth is this. God knew before I ever got here that I was coming here. He saw this moment. 
before the foundations of the world, before let there be light, he saw that you'd be sitting in this class today. He saw you. He knew you completely. He knew the beginning and all the way through to the end of your life and every minute in between. He knew every choice that you would make. He knew every thought that you would think. He knew fully knew you and everything that you were going to do. He knows all of the future perfectly. There's verse after verse after verse in Scripture that talk about that. In fact, uh, one of my favorites is, uh, I believe it's in Isaiah. Forgive me, I should have looked it up and written it down. But he says, I tell you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you will know that I am God. So one of the ways that he shows us that he is who he says he is, is by telling us what's going to happen in the future that we cannot see it. When we look at Jesus, there are over 300 biblical prophecies that are fulfilled by Christ, about Christ, that were given hundreds of years before his birth. And one of the reasons that we know that the Christian faith is the correct one is because we have, we have literature written hundreds of years before Jesus came that describe things about him in incredible detail. There's even more things like Daniel. Was it Daniel? I forget who it was. I think it might have been Isaiah again. But Isaiah prophesies the name of the Persian king who is going to set the who is going to allow the, the Jewish people to leave captivity and go back to their home. He says, Cyrus, I call you by name. He knew the guy's name. I mean, think about that. God writ, wrote down in his word the name of a king who was not going to live for a, a long time after, uh, after it, he, it was being written. And he said, he said I'm, I'm saying this, it's your name, and you are going to do such and such and such. And the truth is, that prophecy was shown to Cyrus when he became king. God chose you, Cyrus. He, he already knew what you were going to do, and he knew you were going to set God's people free, and he did. Really interesting guy, by the way. I'm a, I'm a history nerd in a lot of ways. I really love history. Cyrus of Persia, if you ever have a chance, I know. I look around, I'm like, none of you are ever going to do this. But um, but just go like look Cyrus of Persia up on YouTube or, or whatever. Just watch five. He was one of the greatest human rulers of all in all of human history. I'm mean, truly unbelievable man. Um, the Jewish people actually referred to him as Mashiach, Messiah, anointed one. So, yeah, right? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Now that you said that, I'm nervous about spilling my drink, so I'm going to put it back down here. <laughs> I have a cold, so my, I'm having some vocal problems. But Anyway, God knows the future perfectly. The Bible teaches that without uh bl without blushing it, it's it's the bible just says it straight up god knows exactly what's going to happen in the future he knows every little thing you know the book of uh, i think it's the book of proverbs it says that uh that the die is cast in the lap but every number comes from the lord in other words every time somebody rolls the dice god not only knows but he chooses what the outcome is going to be that does not mean that you can go to vegas and say, Lord, you love me, so here we go. Woo! No, you know, no. 
because God hates gambling. So he would probably say, yep, now I'm going to make you lose every dime. And, you know, I heard Bill Cosby talk about that once. And he said, people pray more in Vegas than they do anywhere else in the world. But God gets so sick of it that he just says, bust everybody. So, yeah, it's kind of of an interesting point of view. Anyway, so God knows the future perfectly. Now, that's really good news. There are a lot of people out there right now, a lot. Um, Maybe not as many now as there were maybe 10, 15 years ago, but there are quite a few groups in the Christian church out there who want to adopt what is called open theism. Have any of you ever heard of that phrase? Yes. Okay. Open theism is an idea that God doesn't know the future perfectly, that he knows the past perfectly and he knows the present perfectly, but he does not know the future perfectly. Now, he's able to make predictions because of his perfect knowledge of the past and present that will most of the time come true, but that he doesn't know the future perfectly. That's what they would say. They would say that God also changes that he learns over time, which is they have a bunch of verses that they like to twist to make it sound like this is true. Okay. And we could go into that. What I'm, there's a lot of people saying that. And here's why they are, here's why they're saying that. Okay. You may ask, why would, why would people not want God to know the future perfectly? I'll tell you why. Because if he knows the future perfectly, and bad things still happen, then it's kind of his fault. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense? We have an omnipotent God who can do anything. Right? There's nothing impossible for him. Absolutely nothing. He also knows the future perfectly. So he knows Every bad thing that's going to happen. He knew Hitler would rise to power. He knew 6 million Jews. Some, some saying it's more like 12 million now. I don't, I don't really know. But he knew that those people were going to be slaughtered at Hitler's hands. He knew that millions of people would die in World War II. What did God do to stop it? Nothing. Now, how can we point to a God who doesn't stop bad things from happening and call him ultimately loving? What's that? Okay. But you're telling me that if I was exercising my free will to put a gun to Ethan's head like this, that you wouldn't try and stop me? Okay. And that's happening billions of times every day all over the earth, and we have a God much more powerful than you who doesn't. I'm just devil's advocating you, okay? (laughs) Because you're right. But we'll get back there in a minute. These people get very angry at verses like this. What do you mean he chose us in him before the foundation of the world? Because what is implicit in this statement? When I say God chose you, what else does that mean? He didn't choose someone else. Yes, predestination is the word that people like to use for this idea. (laughs) Okay. Whether you, listen, it's in Scripture. There is no way around it. Predestination is something the Bible teaches. Now, when we get down to the nuances and the little, the little things, that's when we begin to, like a lot of people who are what are called Arminianists, okay, 
or people that don't believe in predestination take this verse and they use this verse to argue against against the predestination view, which says that God chooses people or not. Because they say right here, it says, he chose us in him. So really, he's choosing Jesus. He's not choosing us. That's what they would say. They would say, no, God's choice was of Christ. And then whoever, whoever believes and becomes united with Christ receives the blessing that is given through Christ. So it isn't that he chose individual people. He chose Jesus, his only begotten son. Of course he chose him. And anybody that is included in him is then, okay. But guess what? That does not, that does, that argument does not work for most of the scriptures that we would get this idea from. It just plain doesn't work. I wish, I kind of wish it did because this is one of these Bible ideas that aren't tweetable, my friends. Okay, there are ideas in the Bible that are just too big to be able to really get a good uh, view of it in anything less than a lifetime of searching. Because if you tell me, well, see, he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, so he's really choosing Jesus, he's not choosing me. I would bounce back and, and say this to you. Does God know the future perfectly? Yes. Does he know that I'm going to choose Christ or that I'm not going to choose Christ? Yes. Can he make me choose Christ if he wants to? Yes. Does he? No. So what is the difference between that and choosing me or not choosing me? All knowledge and all power... What is the difference between I know what you're going to do and I'm not going to stop you and saying yes to what I'm going to do? What's the difference? Is there really, morally, ethically, is there a difference? Because I would argue that there is not. Okay. If I know that you are going to shoot Danae. And I also know that I can stop you. And I do not stop you. Haven't I chosen to allow you to shoot her? What is the difference between me choosing to allow you to shoot her, to allow you to shoot her and me actually like making you shoot her? Is there a difference? No, I'm not forcing him. But I'm not stopping him either. And I have the power to stop him. I'm, what I'm saying is the line is really blurred. That line is really blurred. It's blurry. It is not distinct. It's not easy to see. And I would say that this is one of the realities, one of the things in God that keeps him completely mysterious to us. Because where do you find the line between his will and ours? Where do you find the line between what he's chosen and what we've chosen? I would, I would say it is nearly impossible to see. And I think God wants it that way. I think he wants it to be a mystery. I don't think that he wants us to be able to land in either camp.
fully. Because right alongside words, uh, verses like this one, he chose us, are other verses that say, choose you this day whom you will serve. So am I choosing him or, or is God choosing? The answer is yes. Yeah. What I was going to say back to the, if I was going to shoot her, Ooh. if you did stop me, that wouldn't really give me the choice to whether or not I really was going to or not, I guess. And so if you, if you did stop me, I could either, I wouldn't really know whether I was really going to or not. So, once we've established that, okay, with that idea firmly in place, that on some level, God has, God has said yes, he has allowed every evil thing that's ever happened. Okay, on some level, he has said yes to it. Because he is in full control. And he could stop any of it and all of it if he wanted to. But by saying, by giving us free will and not stepping in to subvert our free will, which he never does, he has allowed every evil thing that's ever happened, and he in all of his power has not shut those things down. Now, what incredibly evil things has he not allowed to happen? We don't know. This issue of a God who fully knows the future and is, and is supremely powerful to do anything that he wants. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God can do anything he chooses. God is completely free. He can do whatever he wants. Guys, this is a struggle that we need to be in in our own hearts. This is something we need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about God. We need to be thinking about how does this work? Why does this make sense? And if we get to it, there's an answer to a lot of this um, in verse 6. But we may not get there today. All I'm trying to do with this particular moment bust open some boxes in your head and make you think again. I don't want you to think for even a second that you understand God because you don't. You know things about him, but he is too big and too powerful. He is eternal. We will forever be searching out the reality of who he is and it will be the joy of our existence. This is the journey that you began when you said yes to Christ. Because Jesus said, this is eternal life. Knowing God my Father and Him who's, and the Christ who he sent. That's the journey. That's what we've been invited into. Finding out who God is for the next 10 trillion years and beyond. That's what we're after. It will be the 
great joy of our existence or something like that. I wasn't reading it. <laughs> but it's true. So he chose us before the foundation of the world. You just need to read that verse and understand that it is the truth. Now, how do you put that up next to I chose him? You did. You did. You're sitting in this room because you said yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not an illusion. You said yes to Christ and you are expected to and invited to say yes to him again every minute of every day for the rest of your life. But that does not change the fact that he chose you. Now I could go and start talking about the Calvinistic ideas about this, where it's God, you can't choose God without God's grace, and et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to go there fully today because we really would spend the rest of our time talking about it. But I want you to live with this understanding. God chose me. He picked me. And I want you to have, I want you to be looking at the world with this perspective. Who else in this crowd, when you're walking through the mall, I want you to be looking at every person's face and I want you to be saying, what, which ones in this group are God's chosen and they don't even know it yet? Which ones are just waiting to hear the gospel so that they can so that they can awaken to the fact that they've been chosen by him. When I was in college and I first began to, to hear about this idea of predestination, and I had the normal Assemblies of God reaction, no way, that is not true. That's the normal Assemblies of God reaction. Okay, Because my whole life is like growing up in in. Sunday school and all that, nobody had ever even mentioned this idea to me. Now it was right here. God chose me. If I think about that for more than 30 seconds, I have to understand that, whoa, okay, wait a minute. God chose me. What? And there's a lot of deep implications to just that fact stated so completely, boldly here in verse 4. He chose you. And in fact, the way he says it, he kind of throws it off like everybody already knows this anyway. Oh, just like he chose you before the foundations of the world. Yeah, you know that, right? You know, <laughs> and the Ephesians probably did because Paul spent years there teaching them. Okay. He chose us before the foundations of the world. Have you, can you, what it would it be like if you woke up every morning with a real emotional understanding living on the inside of you that said, I have been chosen by God. It unleashes purpose in us in a way that I don't know that anything else does. I think most of us think that God, when we came to the cross and said, please forgive me for, our, for my sins, that God looked at us and said, oh man, why did I open the door to everybody? Like he just rolled his eyes and said, yeah, come on in. Come on. Admit it. You've felt that way before, haven't you? Haven't you said to the Lord before, like, you really shouldn't be saving me. I'm like a waste of Jesus' blood. Haven't you thought that before? I think that 
unfortunately, rather often. Like, why on earth would you, what? Oh, man. I, the forgiveness that, and grace that you're pouring out on me could be so much better used on somebody else. I, I'm serious about that. Uh, all of you are so, so solid in the love of God that none of you have ever thought that before. <laughs> Haven't you caught yourself sinning again and been like, Jesus, when are you just going to kick me out? Haven't you? I have. You know what Jesus' response is? I chose you before the foundations of the world. If I didn't give up on you in the billions of years before you were ever born, knowing everything that you were going to do, do you think I'm going to give up on you now? I have been thinking about you, Josh, since before I ever created anything. I have been waiting for you. Think about that. He has been waiting for your face since before the foundations of the world. And now that you are here, he is so delighted in you. This is like, this is how I like to think of every class and every service and everything that I'm involved with. I just like to say, you know, Jesus, you have been thinking about this moment since before the foundations of the world. So I just want you to do what you want to do. You've been dreaming about this moment. So just don't let me screw it up. I think about all the different people and the different paths that led to this moment. Think about this for just a second. I'm going to get a little gross here, but just, just bear with me. Do you know how many sperm are, are put out by a man in any encounter? I mean, it's billions. Okay? So when your parents had sex, I know, you don't, you don't want to think about that. What? Wait a minute. My, no, my parents, it was an immaculate conception. You know? That never happened, right? Okay, that's... A, okay, when that happened... When that happened, there were billions of different children that could have come out of that encounter. Literally billions. Literally billions of children that could have just, just, you know, think about it. Billions and billions of different children. Now, not only that, okay, but if it had happened like a minute earlier or a minute later than it did. I'm just saying. Okay, totally different. Do you understand the incredible odds that you are up against for even existing? The person that you are sitting in this room right now is a near impossibility. You are an impossibility. The earth sits in this little habitational zone flying around the sun. If we moved just a fraction closer to the sun than we are, there would be no life on this planet at all. If we moved just a fraction further away from the sun than we are, there would be no life on this planet at all. 
We are sitting in exactly the right spot. Anybody that says that that was by chance, I just laugh. I'm like, Do you, are you kidding me? Yeah, we just happened to land, right? A planet with all the things that life needed just happened to exist at exactly the right place in space so that these, you know, so that the, the right kind of chemicals, and then they have no idea, they have no idea how you get from organic chemicals, which can happen without without any, you know, they just happen, okay, just natural. They have no idea how you get from organic chemicals to DNA. They have no clue. They've never been able to reproduce anything close to, to the kind of chemistry that would have had to happen to take regular organic chemicals that aren't alive and make them into a DNA molecule. And every single living creature on the planet, from the smallest virus to the blue whale, the largest the largest creature that has ever existed on this planet, they all have DNA. This is why I just laugh. The whole... Yeah, it was all a mistake. Yeah, sure it was. Sure it was. Give me a break. It's ridiculous. How on earth? No, it's just, it's ridiculous. The way I heard it described one time is like, if you just put together, if you just think about like the human eye and all of the like all of the mutations that would have had to happen to create something as amazing as the human eye, basically what would have to happen is a tornado would have to go through a junkyard and build a limousine. Okay, because that's what you're saying is by complete and total chance, this all came together to make the, its stupidity. No, what really happened was that God saw Danae before the foundations of the world and he loved you and he chose you and he knew exactly who you would be. He knew every moment of your life. He planned every moment of your life. And he is so excited about the fact that right now in this moment and from this moment until all of eternity, he gets to have a relationship with you. That's massive. That's a really great question. It says right here that he chose us. Yeah, he said that he chose us. So how do you know he's not talking about like he chose us? It says us and him. In the so other people are talking about are not him. Okay, what else does the verse say? That we would be holy and blameless before him. Right. How do we become holy and blameless? Isn't that, I, I feel like that's really cocky. When I could get up in the morning and say, like, God chose me. Like, it isn't cocky because the truth is he chose you before you ever did anything. He chose you not because of you. He just chose you out of his own sovereignty yeah, to choose you. He didn't choose somebody else. Yeah, why is it like, why, why God didn't choose, choose him for one of those? Well, he chose us for this thing. Well, like, what if he did choose others and you're just not saying yes? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's yeah, but yeah, you have to choose. Well, like he chose us, and it's not against free will. So he has the right to say yes. We also have the right to say no. So with the whole, he chose us thing. Would it mean he favored us over somebody else too? It doesn't. If I just choose again to say he didn't, sometimes I don't favor one of your children because you know maybe the other person chose worthless. Didn't so like I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand it either. I 
This is all, oh, we'll get, just a second. This, all the things that you're saying right now are the things I want you to wrestle with. Truly. People have been thinking about this question for 2,000 years, and they're still thinking about it. And there's two kind of camps, but honestly, one of those camps all but says, no, he didn't choose me. It just, this sentence kind of looks like he chose me. And this is not the only sentence. If this was the only place in scripture where it said that, I would throw it away. Okay, I would be like, nah, that's a misinterpretation. It's not. It's all over scripture and not just in Paul. It's uh, Jesus talked about it all the time. The only ones who will come to me are the ones that the Father has given to me, he says. So what was that? Now, the way that a lot of scholars and definitely some of these God scholars would take this, what they would say is that he is looking back or he is looking forward and he sees your, he sees your yes to his call. And because of your yes, he chose you. And if you want to believe that, fine. I was sitting there for a long time, but I'm not anymore. And there are verses that make me not there anymore. Is your yes required? I'm, I am a lot closer to this idea that you just said, that there are people that God has chosen that have rejected him. Because that happens over and over in Scripture. Isn't that what happened with Jesus when he came to the people of Israel? His chosen people? What did they do when Jesus came around? They killed him. They rejected him as Messiah and they put him on the cross. That is what they did. But there's a whole lot of Bible scholars that say that that doesn't hold up either. I'm not saying I have an answer to this because I don't. I'm saying it's murky, it's difficult, and it's hard to understand. But we can stand on this truth. God chose me. That is clear. We can't get away from that. What does that mean? Does that mean that God did not choose that person that died not knowing him? I don't know. All I can do is read what's in the scripture and run on it. And if there is something that this book says that offends you, that makes you mad, that you're saying, I don't know if I can serve a God that's like that. Well, that's something you and God have to talk through. Because guess what? He's God and you're not. And if he offends you, you're the one that's wrong. And you don't get to change what the Bible says just because it's disgusting to you. I actually get a little worried if I haven't read a verse lately that offended me a little bit. Because either I'm not reading it very well, or I'm numb. Because I know I'm not perfect. Right? If God is not offending you, then you've probably created a different God in your own image. Yeah. Yeah, like, what do you mean by, like, offending? Because sometimes, like, like, when I read the Bible, like, like, um, I don't get, like, offended. I'm just like, yeah, Jesus is kind of offended. Oh, sure. Or, like, I'll read something. Yeah. Like, 
90% of scripture is like, this is so enjoyable. This is so great. I love this about who you are. But then I run across verses where I'm like, how dare you? Yeah. Joshua. Uh-huh. Talked about how um, you know, they, what, they went to the Tepai and they failed. Yeah. They sent the one guy and stole their silver. Yep. And then God said, you guys find out who did it. They found out who it was. So then him, his daughters, and his son fought. Like, I'm that All killed. Why? Like, I'd be really upset that if Scott stole something, I have to die because he stole something. And we're just having the same family. That was one of those things I was reading. I was like, I get what you mean by offended because I was like, that just doesn't. I don't like that. Yeah. But that's what God did. You know, we're talking about people that got chosen didn't show their loyalty. And in the Old Testament, like, he commanded his chosen to go in and kill people and take what they have. Mm -hmm. You know? Doesn't that mean that he didn't choose those people? Like, those people didn't know him. They weren't in him. They went to hell because that's who they were. Okay. And now a lot of people would say that's God's judgment upon those people, and that's true. But then again, he commanded their death. That, like, it, it within that, that's another thing. I was like, really? Why would you do that? You're an all-loving God, and here you are telling your people to go. Like, it's, it's like my twin brother struggles with that. He said to me, there's one of the reasons my brother's an atheist. He said he cannot understand why one sin against God, why the punishment for that is eternal hell forever. If that concept doesn't like, why God, why would you do that to somebody for one thing? If that concept doesn't, has not offended you ever, then, I mean, it, it, it time and time again, especially because that's what my brothers press on me all the time for, mm -hmm. you know, me doing this. Like that mm -hmm. concept there, it's like, why God, but you've got you to gotta accept it. It just is, you know, and chew on it forever. I don't know, but that, it's very, it's very, you know, there is, there, there's scripture there that's going to do that. Yeah. And what it should do is it should put you on your knees. It should put you there saying, God, I don't understand this. God, this offends me. And I, I want to, I want to understand why <laughs> this happened. And I want to understand how it's fair. And I want to understand what you were thinking and what you were feeling when you did this and when you said this and when you made this decision. It should push us deeper into an attempt to understand him. When we get offended by God, which is going to happen, it better happen. I mean this. If God has not offended you, then you're probably not... You, you either... You, you probably just don't believe what you've read, or you're not reading at all. God is a person, and he is who he is, and you don't get to tell him who he is going to be and who he's not going to be. And you don't get to tell him, the Bible says, who can say to God, what have you done? Because when it's all said and done, God sees the whole picture, we see this much. When it's all said and done, None of us deserves anything but hell. And the fact that he gives grace to anyone is way better than he has to be. Do you understand that? 
Every single person who has ever lived has sinned and deserves eternal punishment. Everyone. Everyone. And not just sinned once, they've sinned a billion times. And the fact that God gives grace to anyone at all should make us stand in awe of his incredible goodness and grace. Don't worry, we'll talk a lot more about this as the days move on. We will. Let's continue a little bit. Um, Okay, he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody holy and blameless by themselves? But that's what God calls you. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, he says, you're holy and blameless before me. Now everybody in this room is going, no, I'm not. God says, yes, you are. You are. I've chosen you to be holy and blameless before me. And you're going, well, I better clean up my act. Well, guess what? One sin ever means you're not holy and blameless before him. The only reason we are holy and blameless is because we're, is because we're in him. Jesus has taken everything we have ever done or ever will do, and he has nailed it to the cross and killed it and paid the price, and it is gone. God does not think of it anymore. You are right now, in the eyes of God, holy and completely blameless. And on the day of judgment, you will come before the Lord. They will open up the books. They'll see the red of Jesus' blood covering your life, and they'll say, you're good. All I see is the holiness of my son. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you're going, I didn't do anything. Jesus did everything. And he's going, I know, that's the point. Come on in. You've been chosen to be holy and blameless before him. That's astounding. It is a gift. It is a blessing God has given to you. You didn't earn it. You couldn't earn it if you tried. And you can't earn it. If you attempt to earn it, you'll lose it. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Stranger Than Fiction with uh, Will Ferrell? Okay. Remember when the, I love that movie. And remember that, remember when she makes him the cookies? And then she goes to give it to him, and he, he wants to pay for it. And she's completely offended. Okay? God feels the same way. He paid the price for your salvation. Stop trying to earn it. It's a gift. It's a gift. He wants to give it to you. It's at no cost to you. He, he does not want you earning his love. He doesn't want you even trying. Before you ever did anything, I had already chosen you. Okay, but how do you explain 
what's the holy way of Jesus? And they choose God and live God's way. Like, what happens? Maybe they weren't one of the chosen. But then they still make that choice to follow God and they're born. If they made the choice to follow God. Because at one point they did say they were God. So they sure. Didn't well, maybe but they didn't. It's just confusing to me. Because it's incredibly confusing, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you say that, like, God chooses people. I will say this. God never gives up on anybody. But that doesn't mean that we ever choose him. Yeah. If God doesn't give us a reason, then we tend to, we all have that impossible like, chance of being born. And yeah. Everybody was chosen to be born. Yeah. Then why would he kill people who chose to be born? Is it because he understands that they will never join him in the future because he's omnipotent and he sees present, past, and future? Is that why he kills them? I don't understand why he would kill people that he made in his image. All right, God killed everybody. But I mean, like, why would he send his people to go kill more people? They were going to die. Well, why would they die before they even had a chance? There's actually an interesting thing that would, I don't really want to go fully into it, but there's a lot of people that think that they were actually like offspring of the Nephilim, but I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting thing, but, um, everybody dies. That's true. I know that. I know so, so it, you could equally say God kills everyone. True. But what I'm saying so is what's the difference? The people who haven't been able to, or now that they're dead, they don't have the chance to right. choose God and sure. what they were doing mm-hmm. or where they were. Why did he kill them? Go ahead. That was the Old Testament, where the covenant was between Israel and God. It was like be careful, and everybody else is in thing. Like Christianity. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. If he knew that his son was going to die on the cross and change the covenant, then let's be incredible. Let's be perfectly clear. Jesus is the Jesus is the only reason why anyone ever went to heaven. Old covenant, new covenant. It was the blood of Christ. It's the only reason why anybody ever went to heaven. Faith in the blood sacrifice of Jesus. That's it. It's just in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the cross. And in the New Testament, we're looking back. It was always available to anyone who, wanted, who had faith in God's providing work of saving people from their sins. Always. Not just the Israeli people. But always. There were people in the Old Testament that converted to faith in God that weren't Jews. Exactly. No, go ahead. This is why this is where I believe that faith comes in. Like hmm. everything in this Bible was in this Bible from the beginning. Like we may not understand all of it, but that's the whole point because we're never gonna fully understand God because his is up here. Our comprehension level is way down here. And that's why he created faith. That, like, we have to have faith that all these things happen for a reason. That Jesus is coming back. Like, you just believe it. The scripture is alive. It's the sword. Like, it's alive. It's living. And it's in us. And so when you read it, if you don't understand something, 
we have to ask God to reveal this to me. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand. Show me. Like, what are you trying to say? I don't understand this. This offends me. This hurts me. Help me understand. And he will show you that. You just have to have that open heart and, like, know that he's telling you these things. Like, I know it's hard because I even question the Bible sometimes, but I have to believe and know that he's in control over these things. Mm-hmm. And this is not a flash to you, but um, if he knew everything about God, and if he knew everything that he did, everything, why would we pursue him? Because we already know everything. Like it's the same thing with people. Like if I already knew everything about Danielle, everything she was going to do, and every way she was going to do it, why would I try to figure out what she's going to do? I want to add something. Um, kind of like what you were thinking, like, trying to understand God and like I heard someone say this I don't know if I read it or what but like it's not fair to like try and fit God in only what you can know that's like trying to take one cup and trying to put the entire ocean into that one cup like you can only put so much in your mind and then saying that the rest of the ocean like I can't have that that's not fair like I mean you can't do it like that it's just your mind can only take so much and we can't blame God for not trying to fill us with the entire ocean. Absolutely. That actually comes from a story about uh, St. Augustine, who wrote some beautiful books uh, about 300 years after Christ. And he might be longer than that, but anyway. He was writing a, a book about the Trinity. Okay. And, and this is a legend. I don't know if it was actually true or not, but he was walking down the beach and he saw this little kid taking water from the ocean with a shell and dumping it on the beach and taking it and dumping it. And, and Augustine looked down at him and said, you will never be able to empty the whole ocean with that shell. And the kid looks that up, up at him and says, isn't that what you're trying to do with your little book? And, <laughs> yeah. And depending on what version of the legend... Sometimes they say that the kid like disappears and like he realizes it was from God or whatever, but just like, you know, or that it was a dream. There's a lot of different versions of the story, but the point is this, there is stuff in God and stuff in scripture that we cannot understand. There is stuff in God that when we first run into it, we're like, I don't like that. Gross. No. That's not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm okay with this, God. I love that. I, I, I really, I do. I love, I want you off balance. I want you, I, I don't want you to feel like you understand God. I want you to be, to, to be stumbling a little bit right now. That's the whole reason that I have set this conversation the way that I have today. Because I could have just totally skipped that whole idea. And most of you never would have thought of it. Because that's what most Christians do. They just read the Bible and just blah, da, da, chapter a day keeps the devil away. No! <laughs> no, get into this thing. Get into the teeth of, this, of these books and find it. What, what does he mean by, I was chosen before the fact. What does that mean? And what implications does it have? And it, let it rattle you and then take it before the Lord and say, help me understand this. And, oh, and go look other places in scripture and, and stir it up in your heart. And see what you can find. That is glory. And that's what, we've, that's what we've been given to do. And it's beautiful. 
What does it mean that I'm holy and blameless before him? I'm not holy and blameless. But God looks at you today, right now, in this moment, and he sees you as holy and blameless. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're going to get there in just a few verses. No, I'm not. I'm seated on a black leather chair in the IMT room. Yeah, but you are seated right now in this moment. You are in the throne room of God right now. In a very real, very tangible way, you are hidden with Christ in God at this very moment. It's shocking and unsettling. And the reason I like to talk about this stuff is honestly because what we usually do when somebody falls away, what we usually do is we're just like, well, you know, I mean, what can we do? I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to whatever. But think about that. What are you praying for when you pray that someone comes back? Right. But if... God really loves them and and it was only by their choice that they came to God and are leaving God. Why would you ask God to change who they are so that they choose him again? How does that work? See, that's what I'm saying. We we just take things just just out of hand. We pray for the lost to get saved, which is great. We should do that. But then we say, but it's really just our choice that, that gets us saved. Well, then why are you praying about it? If it's just their choice, what, is that, what, what does your prayer have to do with it? Well, like, I, I was praying for somebody that was lost and asking if they would find salvation. I wouldn't pray that God makes them saved. I would ask that God, maybe put somebody in their life that can share with them who Jesus is. Maybe put them in a point where they're like, in their life where they were searching for Jesus because they were so lost. Right. Then, but Josh, what is the difference between that and God making them saved? I've never denied free will, not for a moment. I totally agree with free will. I the Bible teaches that we have free will, but it also teaches that He chose us. So help. So we're just not supposed to pray. No, that's not what I'm saying. You didn't. That's not where I went at all. What I'm saying is, if 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 you subscribe to the idea that it is their choice and not God's, why are you praying for them? The picture that I keep getting in my head is when I was four years old and my mom had the ear of my bunny rabbit and I didn't understand because um, it was like my favorite thing in the world and I just kept asking my mom, why, mom, why do we have to get rid of rascals? Like, he's my friend, blah, blah, blah. Like, why can't he stay? And I never could understand it and every time I would ask her, she would just say, it's not your job to understand. I know it hurts. I'm the parent you have to trust, but I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Later I found out that she was getting very, very sick from him and was like, it was just a big mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the picture that I keep getting in my head. It, the same picture came in my head when my grandpa died on my sister's wedding yeah. day. Yeah. I was furious with God. Yeah. I was like, I walked away. And it was just a really big mess, and one day a whole lot happened, and God was like, remember rascals? Remember what your mom said? Not your job to understand. Right. But you did what your mom told you to do. You got it together, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And that's just a picture that God always puts in my head 
like, because I question God a lot. And he's like, it's not your job to understand what I'm saying. Hmm. A word he was talking about my dad from a lot of what God taught me is it really came from like the selfishness. Hmm. And I don't understand why. But I can understand in a way, because when she said her grandmother died, she got upset that, you know, why did you die? This, that, but a little bit of selfishness. When we don't understand God enough and we get upset about it, that's selfishness. When we, like, and so, like, that, that word keeps popping sort of kind of do to understand why I could picture selfishness as it being that. Right. But I don't, for, for some reason, I don't see why it's such a bad thing. All of the things I can say to you that God does not give up on people because that's what Scripture says. I can also say to you that He chooses because that's what Scripture says. And the truth is that when I have a better perspective of God, and we're going to go there, I do have a better understanding of it than I am giving you right now. I really do. I honestly do. The reason I'm not going into all that right now is I want you to wrestle. I want you to take this as an invitation to think about him. How does God order his people to go in and and slaughter entire villages and also say, I am love? How does that happen? Great question. Let's talk to God about it. Let's go into his word. Get into the wrestle. Yeah. Um, Mari mentioned selfishness, uh, selfishness that uh, reminded me of, uh, was, that I, was that my first year or it was last year? And you're talking about like the glory of God and God's love of himself being far superior Dude, don't, to his love. We can't go there yet. For, go ahead. <laughs> but like, for me, that was like, we're not ready that was, that was a much more monumental wrestling match in my spirit yeah. than even the thought of predestination. Absolutely. And so like that, that week and for several weeks afterwards, like I was furious with God. Now I refused to walk away from it, but I'm like sitting there praying is during praise and worship one night in the gym. And I'm like, how is it? okay that you are so selfish and is the most holy thing in the universe. How is that? Now that, that takes me off to no end. And then something, I, I was just looking up the definition of comprehension, and it's to have an understanding of. So I looked up the definition of understanding, and it's to grasp the knowledge of. What does it mean to grasp? It's to take hold of. It's to clench. So it's to have control of the knowledge of something. It's to comprehend it. But who are we as finite beings to have controlled knowledge of the infinite God, the created, having a grasped knowledge of the creator? Who are we to sit there and question God and say, why did you do this? It's totally wrong. It's not. It's just. You don't understand it. And there's a lot of things I don't understand, and there's way more that I don't understand than I do understand. But... It's, gotta wrestle worth, with it. it's worth the wrestle. It so is. God, it's, it's in these questions that we learn how to really chase it. And it's in finding some of the answers that we learn to really love him as he is. As he is.
Because if I'm saying things to you that you don't, and, and you're like, I did not know that about God, okay? And yet at the same time you're saying, but I love God so much. Wait a minute, there's these whole libraries of knowledge that you don't know about him, but you tell me you love him? Well, that's always going to be true that we aren't going to know everything about God because he's infinite and he's infinitely mysterious. But what I'm saying is that should provoke you. I Wait a minute, I don't know this about it. I'm going to chase this down. And let me, please, please don't Google search it. Good Lord. You're going to run into the, I, I ran into some YouTube videos of these guys that claim to preach the Bible that say that the earth is flat. I am not kidding. I, it was, I didn't, I didn't do too much. I was just like, I was just like, wait a minute. I was blown away. I was like, excuse, wait, the earth is, what? It doesn't make any, oh, oh, Jesus, why do you love these people? Um, yeah. It's funny that you said that. I remember I was watching a, a video about, it was like, is the earth really flat? And yeah. basically like, they said all these things like, well, if, if this and this and this, the earth, well, it really could be flat. And like the basis of the video was like, if you have like this belief in something, you can look at it and make it true mm. based on how you look at it. And I feel like you can't really, you're not supposed to do that. You can't already have what we think of God and just bend everything the way we need it to. We yeah. need to take a step back and say, all right, God, I don't understand everything. Let me try to learn what is true about you, not what I want to be true about you. Yeah. Absolutely. But Let God mess with your head, please. Let him offend you. Please. You won't love him if you don't. That's the truth. That's how I feel about it. And just when I think I'm getting something else figured out about God, I find something else that makes me go, I'm never going to understand you. But I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm never going to understand you. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. <laughs> like, oh, that's great. Okay, let's go to verse 5. And get more of the same. <laughs> that we would be holy and blameless before him. Now, it says in love is at the end of verse 4, but it really belongs at the beginning of verse 5. We're not holy and blameless before him in love. No, that's not how it works. That's not. The sentence ends with holy and blameless before him. In love modifies he predestined. Oh no, we're back to that again. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons. Okay, so I know we're probably I'm I'm poking that wound again and, and it's and it's like no, but let's just let it sit for a minute. And I I I there's a time to wrestle and there's a time to just sit back and enjoy truth. Okay? Because the wrestle part we know the truth. You were chosen by him, okay? And there's a time where you're going to have to wrestle with the reality that you were chosen by him, but somebody else wasn't necessarily, okay? And how does that work? And I don't understand that. Okay, there's a time to wrestle with that. Great. But then there's another time to just go over here and sit in the glory of I was chosen. 
And that's what I want to invite you to. Okay? Sit in the glory of, I was chosen. Oh my gosh, I so don't deserve it. In love, I was predestined to be adopted as his son. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Oh, just start, I want you to just let, enjoy this. Feel this as true. You have been adopted as his son. And yes, ladies, you have been adopted as his sons. I know, right? But I'm the bride of Christ, so we're all okay. <laughs> Okay. C.S. Lewis says that God is the masculine before which all else is feminine. I think that's a fascinating phrase. Okay. <clears throat> okay. I think that's like, whoa, that like messed with my head. I was like, wait a minute, what does that mean? But anyway, I have enough trouble wrestling with Paul, let alone C.S. Lewis. Okay. <laughs> Predestined, I, I just wrote in my notes, oh no, how are we going to find our way around it this time? Okay. <laughs> but... <coughs> No honest student of the Bible can get around it. It's there, okay? But just sit in this. We're adopted as his sons. We are his children. Guess what? You know, people say, aren't we all the children of God? No. No, we're not. I'm sorry. Isn't it? it might give you a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling to think that all humans are the children of God. Wrong. It's just not true. None of humanity is automatically a child of God. Only those who have been adopted because of what Jesus did on the cross. Those are the only ones. And because you believe in what Jesus did on the cross, you are one of those. You have been adopted. But now I want you to think about what all that means. What does it mean to become one of God's kids? It means he's our father. It means he's our daddy. I just spent an entire week teaching on the Father Heart of God in Mexico City. So I have a lot to say about this. We're not going to do all of it today. But think about this for a second. He's your papa. He's your daddy. Really, truly. He has chosen to make you his child. You belong to him. You have his name. Okay, this is one of the ways I want you to kind of think about this. If you walked into the White House and you walked up to President Obama and you asked him for $5, the Secret Service would probably shoot you in the head. Right? Okay? But if his daughter walks up to him and asks him for $5, does anybody think that's weird? He doesn't have to say yes, but she has the right to come in and ask. She has the right to hop up in his desk chair and play around with, you know, the nuclear button. <laughs> what the? That's, that's not how it works, of course. But. Okay? I love that picture of John uh, in the JFK White House where you see the, the kids, like, under the desk, like, playing and stuff. Okay? That's who we are. We're, we're the kids playing under God's desk. Okay? That's who you are. You have access to, to everything that belongs to him is also yours. Would it be weird 
to walk into your house, open up the refrigerator, grab a Coke or whatever out of there and go start drinking it and not think anything about it, right? I mean, that's what you do. Did you pay for that Coke? No, you didn't pay for it. You didn't pay for that Coke, but it's still yours. Why? It's yours because it belongs to your mom. It belongs to your dad. That means it's yours, right? Okay, that's the kind of access we have to the Father and everything that belongs to him. We can walk right in and take something out of God's fridge and nobody's mad. He is excited about that. I'll tell you right now, I love giving my children good things. Except for my leftovers. I went to 800 degree I went to 800 degree pizza today and my name is going on that box. <laughs> I love that. One of the things that I do to my kids all the time, if they're like fighting over something, like, no, I want it. Or even if it like belongs to one of them, I'm like, wait a minute. Who does that really belong to? And they're like, you. I'm like, that's right. And I'm allowing you to use it. But it is mine. You know, I do that to them all the time because that's the truth. And guess what? I get to do with it whatever I want. So when I ground you and take away your iPod, you don't get to complain because it's my iPod, not yours. Sorry. Legally, you're not 18. You can't own anything. Right? It's the way it is. Okay? It's a big deal. I talk to my kids about it all the time. Guess what? And my son tried to use it against me the other day because I was like, go mow the lawn. And he's like, it's actually your lawn. (laughs) I said, that's right, and you're my son. And guess what? That's my lawnmower out there. And you are going to go out there and mow that lawn. And that's the way it's going to (laughs) be. You know, it's actually your lawn. So maybe you should mow it. Yes. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Yes. Jesus says that on the last day, people will come up to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons and perform miracles and prophesy in your name? And what's Jesus' answer? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Does it sound like they were aware of the fact that they weren't his? No. But Jesus gives us a clue. Depart from me. Never knew you. What's it about? 
It's not about what you do for God. That's the point. You can work your entire life, live your entire life in a godly way if you have no relationship with him. Do you understand? This morning, I was listening to one of my favorite preachers. His name is John Piper. And he is a Calvinist, hardcore. Okay, He is... He fully believes that God chooses who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, period. And that God doesn't apologize for that, that it's God's right to do so. I can't go as far as as John does to that place because I see too many places in Scripture. And I never hear Calvinists talk about free will, ever. And the Bible clearly, clearly teaches that we have free will. And I don't hear Calvinists talk about it. And I think that they're they're as conveniently skipping over free will as a lot of Arminians skip over predestination. They're both in Scripture, and I think we need to be right smack in the middle of the wrestle between the two. I think we need to just be ready. Okay? I've never heard him talk about it. I haven't thought that. I've been thinking about this whole time, but I didn't want to say because I knew I'd probably get demolished. I just don't understand it. Um, so, you know how God calls us his bride or whatever? Yeah. I actually talked to Jared about this a few nights ago. We were talking about this kind of. And uh, so, if we have a wife and we make them love us, that doesn't give me, if I made my wife love me, that wouldn't give me any satisfaction. Right. And, but if she chooses to love me, that's awesome. Absolutely. I feel good about myself. Sure. And so, I just kind of picture that's how God is with us giving us free will. Like, let us choose to love him, and that he'll get, I mean, whatever happens with God out of that. No, I completely and, uh, agree with you. I, I and so, 100%. And how it talks about he knows what, he knows, like, the future or whatever. Yeah. And I just kind of think, like, that's just the way it is. Like, he just knows, but he's going to let us choose on our way there. It doesn't like, say here he knew who you were. It doesn't say he knew the choice you would make before the foundations of the world. It says, he chose you. If it said, he knew the choice you would make before the foundations of the world, then we would not have this problem. But doesn't the Bible also say that everybody has uh, like, uh, the right to know God or whatever? Where? <laughs> All right. I seriously... Now, this it does where, say... Now, wait. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute, though. It does say... That God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. Yeah. Okay? But the, So why haven't all come? <laughs> You're going to be exasperated and sigh and come every other 30 seconds. <laughs> I know. I mean, I just wanted to, like, I don't know. Stone <laughs> No, I'm not trying to demolish you. I totally agree. Listen up. Free will is in Scripture. It's a, it's a powerful theme in Scripture. God is constantly calling us to choose, choose, choose over and over again. He says, make the right choice. I have set before you life and death. Choose life. He says it over and over again. Free will is everywhere in Scripture. We cannot get away from it. But so is God's will. So is, I chose you before the foundations of the world. Okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Is it your choice or my choice? And God says, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't get it 
Fine is so hard. What I'm that's what I'm trying to say. We got we've got to chase this thing down. So I think God's will and human will just I think they kiss. I think that try if you try and find the line between the two, you never will. I don't I think that there is there are things about God that are so mysterious that God puts them, makes them that way. I think God put these kind of phrases in scripture just so that he could say, I'm outside your box. No, it's not like that. <laughs> so he's, predict- he's predestined us to be adopted as sons. Okay. He has given us access to all that he has. He's given us privilege. We are princes and princesses in the kingdom of heaven. That is unbelievable. Hold on. We have inheritance. Everything he owns belongs to us. And we inherit his family name. All right, go. Okay. So, you know, we're here kind of like this idea. So, in Romans 9, mm-hmm. um, you know it says it's like our choice. <laughs> and it goes... Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens those he wants to harden. Yep. So are you saying that God hardens people's hearts to him? Yep. Yeah. So you're saying that they never had the chance. I didn't say they never had the chance. I want to ask something. Um, I heard about that one time, and someone was talking about when they hardened Pharaoh's heart, and the reason his heart was hardened, it's not like God made his heart hard and what happened was um he was refusing god so much that he decided to stop putting conviction on him allowed him to just go ahead and do what he's doing because he's not changing his mind and so his heart was hardened because he got left the uh took the conviction away from him if you look in exodus the first two times it says pharaoh hardened his heart the third time it says god hardens pharaoh's heart but that doesn't take away the fact that he hardened his heart and I'm not saying that they never had a chance. I'm saying they no longer had a chance. And that's in more than one place in Scripture also. Right in, Gen- right in Genesis, one of the first things God says to mankind is, My spirit will not strive with man forever. I've been in a situation before like, where I was so deep in sin, and it's like, like I, I didn't even feel bad about it. I'm sure probably a lot of people have been here have like you've been in a position where you feel numb to it, and that's when your heart was hardened. God left the conviction. I had to make myself realize that you know, and you know, the sovereignty of God and how you know, and His love and everything He has for me. Like I know that if I'm not feeling God, I'm at least feeling how deep I am in this, and that's only getting worse. And so, who gave you the grace to be able to see that? <laughs> but okay so there are people God created knowing that they would never come in like, that's right but that's true regardless of whether or not he chose them or not isn't it does God know the future fully so what's the point of creating them in the first place well I know that one thing I always think about because it's a verse like I read Why does the gate bar the road that leads to destruction? Many want to through it, but narrow is the road, small is 
testified that Jesus knew before he died many people would deny him. He knew, he's always known that before he was going to go to the cross that there would be way more people that choose not to live in Christ than choose to live in Christ. And yet he still somehow decided, you know, it's worth it just so that a few select people have that opportunity and decide to live out in it. Because there's more people, there's a lot of people that don't really know. They never actually accurately heard the gospel. There's people that have heard it but choose not to live in it. And there's people that are doing their best to strive in it. That no matter how many how many obstacles are on the way of that narrow road, they continue to walk on <laughs> Jesus knew that way before he had to pay for our penalty. And he still chose to do it. And that is something that always puts me in awe that God, you would die just for an opportunity that people could have salvation. I think about it like if there was like if this room, let's say somebody came in here with a gun and was gonna kill us all. And maybe like I jump up and he still kills me, but then like Isaac and Olivia escape out the back door, but everybody else dies. That's kind of what Jesus did. And he knew it. I, I knew, like, I can't stop him from saying, I can't stop him. He's going to kill all of us, or maybe a few will get out. And Jesus still chose, just so a few would find that small little road. Hmm. And to tag on to that, he didn't have to do it. Like, he could have just let all of us die because we all deserve it. We yeah. sold eternal life for the filth. Yeah. We gave over the keys to the kingdom of earth to sin when we chose not us directly but Adam and Eve when they chose to sin the first time they handed over the keys to our inheritance so Christ didn't have to still does not have to but chose to for the few people who would eventually <coughs> and that's why I think that Josh is saying enjoy that yeah. because the whole reality comes down to what Brandon's saying we don't have to but just the fact that we get to, just the fact that he has chosen us, despite all whatever else that being, like that's enjoyable to me. Um, yeah, let's weep for those who are lost. Let's weep for those who will never say yes. Let's weep for those who put their big middle finger up at God their entire lives and walk away. Let's weep for those who never made the choice. Or if you want to say it another way, weep for those that God did not choose. Because he weeps for them. This is what I'm trying to say. If God knows the future perfectly, and he is omnipotent, then whether you think, whether you like this language or not, that God chose, he still did. Because he allowed people he allows people to make another choice. And that's a choice of his. Do you see? If he allows you to make another choice and he has the power to stop you and he doesn't stop you, then he has chosen that for you. Does that make sense? Is, that, is this helping at all in that, in that understanding? We cannot have a God who knows fully and has full power and still say that God didn't make any choices regarding our destiny. He did. And he does. Even if we say he didn't do it actively, like he didn't actively decide, well, you're going to hell and you're going to heaven and you're going to hell. Even if he never did that and he just allowed us to come to our own conclusion and say yes or no to him based on the gospel. Even if that's all it is, it's still his choice because he still gave us the opportunity to say no. 
Right. And, by, and he knew what choice we would make when he did it. And that means that he chose for us to go to hell. That's not what he wants. He's not okay with that choice. It's not the choice that he would have made for us. But it is a choice. It breaks his heart. He weeps. He hates it. He hates that people don't say yes to him. But they don't. I just kind of thought of like, don't all you gamble lovers don't hurt me every day. <laughs> but it's like when you're when you're you know your your dog is like slowly going down you know downhill you know when it gets this problem it gets that problem it gets this problem and then the choice is when you take it to the vet is you either put it down now or because you love it you'll continue to live until you have ten more days with it or whatever, however long you could possibly have with that dog. It's like making the tough choice of putting down the dog because, I mean, now the dog will hurt less for right. all that and all right. that and right. stuff, but, but it's like, it's like to put it in perspective, I think that's how God feels over it. I think. I'm not saying. It's a little more important to him than it's a dog. It's a lot more, yeah, it's a lot more important, <laughs> but, but, but the yes, that people I love do. their animals oh, I get closely. It. I understand where you're going, yeah. and I understand that you don't mean to demean anyone yeah. or to compare the death of a dog to eternal torment. Right. But I get that. Whole, I'm just like, just that understand. being said, hard choices have to be made. That's the comprehension and thing that Jared was talking about. What we have to understand is why he made the cho- why he made that choice, and that's right. what we're gonna embark on a little bit more. It's 3:05, so I want to be officially done. But if anybody wants to talk about this a little more, I would be happy to talk about it, okay? And please understand that we're not finished talking about this. I know some of you are probably sitting here going, but I'm still confused. Good. I want you to be confused. I want you to pray about this. I want you to talk to God about it. And I also want you to understand that we are going to be talking about this for the rest of the year, and that's just true, okay? It's tough. Oh, no, trust me. It's rough sledding. I get it. But it's worth it. It is so worth it. If we can get just a tiny, tiny little understanding about God that is better than what we have now, it is worth all the time we could spend in, in going after this thing. So, all right? We're done.